Thank you, Jim, for your heart for prayer. And church, we hope to see you on Tuesday evening as we gather together as a church to pray together. You might have noticed already our theme for the service. Our emphasis today is the importance of prayer. I'll elaborate further just in a moment, but let's go to the word of the Lord first, what he has to say. Open up the word of God to Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 12. Matthew chapter 6, 5 to 12. I'll walk through this text as we talk about the importance of prayer, how it functions our life, and also how we ought to pray. So today's scripture reading is from Matthew 6, 5 to 12. It's a familiar text, but I pray that you will not just jump in, oh, it's, I know this, but I pray that you will jump in with the eager expectation that the Lord speaks through his word. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the reading of God's word. For the first couple of weeks here in 2021, we intentionally set aside these two Sundays to talk about foundations of our faith, the word of God and the importance of prayer. We need that more than we realize. Do you remember once upon a time, 2020? We joked about it. 2020 itself was a joke. We were like, oh, man, 2020. I cannot wait to be over as if 2021 would be any better. Uh, our tendency is that we look at present problem. We look to the future for a solution as if future circumstances is our solution. But look where we are. Our hearts are still heavy for what has been happening but what about in your life, whatever the problem you have in your life, rather than just looking at future circumstances for hope, what if there's present problem but ancient solution? That is the word of God and the prayer, the very foundation of our faith, the core of our spiritual discipline. Church, Chelton, I have known you a little less than a year by now if I include my candidating process and the story I'm about to share, you've heard it many times. But let me just share one more time how the word of God and the prayer has profoundly shaped my life. Apart from these two, I literally won't be standing here before you today. 
We have just read first verse, the five to seven, how hypocrites love to pray in public, getting all the recognition prideful. Well, look no further to find example than right here. I really was like that in my childhood. Not that I'm not like that. God forgive me. But especially in my childhood, I remember how especially prideful I was, how angry I was, how bitter I can be, how I struggled with so much temper that I'm ashamed to say so, but I got in many fist fights. And, and I was, as a pastor's kid, I was really good in front of teachers and in a church. But when no one's around, my hypocritical side was just so bad. Oh, I'm even ashamed to think about it. My mom knew that in me. So every morning, she would come into my room 6 to 7 a.m. Every morning for years, at least five years. And she would just hold my hands and pray with tears for me. God, this is my son I love. I commit him to you. I remember feeling her tears literally rolling down her cheeks to my hand. To this day, every time I hold my mother's hand, I know the temperature. This is my mom's hand. Because I remember that time how she has prayed for me for years and it changed my life upside down. And what do I see? The first thing I saw in the morning when I get up is my father reading the word of God for hours. Uh, mother praying for me, father loving the word and leading the family in the word of the Lord. These two completely transformed the way of my life. I should have turned out a whole lot better than how I turned out knowing what I've received. But nonetheless, I am so grateful for the power of the word of God and the power of prayer that has shaped me who I am. Church, I hope you realize that these are like oxygens of your Christian life. You cannot live without that. So take this seriously, Lord willing. Our great reformer, John Calvin, in his book Institute, opens up by saying this, that the knowledge of God and of ourselves mutually connected. That's the heading of his book at the very beginning. And then he goes on by saying in the first subheading, there is no knowledge of self without the knowledge of God. And second heading, there is no knowledge of God without the knowledge of self. Do you want to be wise? You have to know God and know yourself. And if the word of God shows you who God is, your prayer life will show you who you are. Let me elaborate that. Of course, the word of God informs us not only who God is, but also informs us who we are in Christ. But do you really want to know what your heart is made up of? Look no further than your prayer life. It will show the aspirations of your heart. It will show the anxiousness of your restless soul. It will show your dream. It will show your fears. Prayer life is a very vulnerable thing. Where are you? So if you want to measure the spiritual pulse of where you are today, look no further than your prayer life. Prayer is a very revealing thing. It shows what's in your heart today. One of my discipline I have is I journal a lot. I think and I pour it out on my journal. And especially for the past 15 years, I've been journaling on computer digitally. And at the end of each year, I go back to review all my journals I've written for that year. Last year is no different. So after Christmas Eve service, I go home and I reviewed all my journals that I have written for the last six days of the 2020. When I read, review my journal, it's a hard thing for me. I am too ashamed to read my journal in front of you because I bleed my heart there. 
Sometimes it's really encouraging because I don't find some struggle anymore. God, I thought I'd never be able to overcome. But somehow, by grace of you, not I, but through Christ in me, I was able to overcome that. Praise be to your name. On the other side, it's very discouraging. God, it's been a decade since I've been journaling about the same thing. And I'm still struggling with the very same thing. Oh, God, deliver me. I, when I review my journal, because it's my prayer log, I end all my journal with my prayers, God, things that I pray about. It's a very revealing thing. It allows me to measure my spiritual pulse. Where am I today before the Lord? Prayer is like oxygen that you desperately need more than you and I realize today. And our Lord Jesus thought it was important enough for him to actually teach us how to pray. So, now that we have set aside how important prayer is and its function, how it's revealing our heart, let's talk about how to pray. Four things that the Lord Jesus teaches us. Reject, remember, reorder, recommit. Let me say it one more time. Reject, reorder, no, reject, remember, reorder, recommit, if I can remember my points. And in case you're wondering, yes, all the R's are intended. You're welcome. So there you go. So first, before Jesus even goes in to teach us how we actually ought to pray, he teaches us first how not to pray. So first, reject pride. Look verse 5, just 8 one more time with me. And here he teaches us what not to do. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their rewards in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Many times when you read this verse, it's very easy to think that this is independent section as it is. But if you look at Matthew chapter 6, earlier context, first four verse, which talks about giving, the main principle, the heart behind what Jesus is saying is this. Don't give to blow your own trumpet. You got your all reward already. Don't do that. Where is your heart behind giving? Jesus is addressing the exact same here. Don't pray in public to get all the recognition. Look how holy I am. I am praying now. Look how eloquent I can pray. There's none of that. Here, Jesus is not denouncing per se about corporate prayer. There are thousands, numerous examples throughout the scripture about the importance of corporate prayer. But what Jesus is denouncing right now here is, where is your heart in praying? He's not denouncing corporate prayer. As you look at Acts chapter 2, all when the Pentecostal break out and the churches devoted themselves in fellowship and prayer. And you're about to see the importance of corporate prayer here as well. But where is your heart in prayer, church? Reject pride. Pride and prayer is oxymoron to dwell together. What do I mean by that? By definition, praying, prayer, you are going before the Lord because you realize how unable you are. God, I am dependent upon you. Come through. But pride is basically you're declaring your own glory. God, look at me how great I am. See, it ought never to dwell together. But nonetheless, that's what has happening. So, prideful prayer is not a petition. 
but a protest against God's sovereignty by declaring your own glory. So prideful prayer really is not even a petition, but a protest against God's sovereignty by declaring your own glory. There should not be pride in your prayer. Are you struggling with pride today? Go to God in humility. Let him come to you, but do not blow your own trumpet to get all the recognition. Look verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. What is Jesus confronting here in this section is this. At the time, the ancient Roman cultures, they made up ton of gods, the collection of gods, pantheons. And their gods, deities, were made up by human mind. They thought gods were a lot like human. When you talk to another human, sometimes you repeat, you babble, so that you can be assertive and they will actually hear you. They thought those pagan gods were just like that. So they will keep babbling on many words over and over in order for God to hear their God's deity to hear. And Jesus is saying, stop. Your father already knows what you need before you even ask them. And also, because these are man-made of God's pantheons, they thought way you say the words matters. So my eloquence of speech is what matters. Let me pray the, as fancy as possible. God is pleased by the fanciness of my words. And Jesus is saying, none of that. The heart of prayer is not a fanciness of words, but humility before him. Where is your heart today in prayer, church? Prayer is not your tool to blow your own trumpet, blow your own trumpet of your piety before him. That's what Jesus is confronting here. So perhaps there are some of you out there today, Jen, I feel so even unworthy to pray. I don't have any eloquence of speech. I don't even know what to say. Exactly that's what Jesus requires of you. Bring your nothingness. Do you feel unworthy? Do you feel like you don't have eloquence of speech, don't know how to pray? Come just as you are. Jesus delights in hearing you because the very humility of heart is what he requires in prayer. So first, reject pride. Second, remember who God is. Read verse 9. Now, Jesus really begins into how we ought to pray, actually. This is what he says. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do you notice here Jesus begins by not saying my Father? Jesus could have said that. But he used the plural noun, pronoun, our Father, which indicates that prayer is also one of the desire, that expression of corporate desires to God and should often be prayed in fellowship with others. Jesus just talked about in a few verses earlier, there is importance of individual prayer. Go to closet, pray yourself, but also cry out to our God together, our God in heaven. My God, your God becomes our God. And the commonality we share as a church is not our culture, not our education level, not our job status or income level, but it is because we share the same our God in heaven. Do you know him? So church, come to prayer meeting this Tuesday, prayer gathering. Corporately, let's cry out before the Lord that we need him to come through 
that our God, collectivity, there is beauty in that. We don't exist in silo, but we exist as a collectivity, as the saints of God gathered together. And then Jesus teaches us that we ought to pray, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name means holy is your name, which means, God, you are set apart, you are complete, you are blameless, you are perfect. First and foremost in our prayer, we ought to remember who he is by adoring him and praise him. Why? Because praise completes our satisfaction. Praise completes our joy in him. Are you truly satisfied in God? Listen to what C.S. Lewis says in his exposition of Psalms. This is what he says. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are, but delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not to be able to tell anyone about how good he is. Have you been there? You read your best book. You can't wait to tell others about how wonderful this book is. You found your favorite author, as your C.S. Lewis says. You want to tell about it. There's your favorite restaurant. You want to share the food. Because we, our joys are doubled when it's shared. Just like that, when we connect, when my God becomes your God, when we share the adoration and praise of his holiness and majesty, our joys are doubled. He is our God whom we share. Church, it is important to remember who he is and first and foremost, praise him, adore him. Why is it also very important to remember who he is? Apart from remembering who he is, you will end up praying to the God of your own imagination. Last statistic I read, even 40% of atheists pray. Who do they pray to? God of their imagination. They believe they, there's no God. Why is that so dangerous as Christians? Because oftentimes, without remembering who he is, his love, his sacrifice, his justice and mercy, we end up praying to the God of imagination, and the God of imagination often turns into God of genie. God, this is transactional. This is what I need. Give me what I want. We become vending, it's like vending machine. God, I put my coin in, give me Coke. Oh, it doesn't come Coke. Let me kick vending machine a couple more times. We turn God into contract vending machine, transactional consumer relationship. When you just pray to the God of your own imagination, it becomes all about you. In prayer, it's just so important to remember who he is first and foremost. Church, one of the great ways to learn how to pray, look through the Psalms. Psalm has to take time to remember who he is as he lays out all his burden. Psalter is one of the best books to go to learn how to pray. So first, reject pride. Second, remember who he is. Third, reorder your heart. Reorder your heart. Read verse 10 with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did Jesus say, my kingdom come? My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No. He first and foremost recognized the glory and majesty of his kingdom and his will. 
church, have you been there? You prayed so much, and even at the end of prayer, you are far more worked up and absorbed. It's because you keep inserting your kingdom and your agenda without laying that down and recognizing his kingdom and his agenda first and foremost. The key to the rest of heart is acceptance of his kingdom. That this life is not about my kingdom come, my will be done, but may his kingdom come, his will be done. So real prayer, recognizing his kingdom and his glory, relieves us melancholy burden of self-absorption. Without recognizing that it is about his glory and his agenda, you're more self-absorbed than even before prayer because you just made God your vending machine once again. You just asserted your own kingdom, your own agenda first and foremost. But when you truly make God his kingdom come, his will be done first and foremost, it gives us rest even when he answers your prayer as no. Let me explain why. If God delights in hearing you and you pray before the Lord, you pray, God, may your kingdom come, your will be done first, and then you pray and God answers your prayer to yes, you are humbled. God, who am I that my desire aligns with your kingdom? Praise be to your name. There is no credit due to me. But even when he answers no to your prayer, actually whatever you're requesting, you can find rest trusting in his sovereignty. Why? Look no further than the prayer of Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you know that the greatest gift to humanity has come through the answered prayer of no when Jesus prayed to the Father? Jesus for the Father, let this cup pass away from me. This is even too much for me. God's answer was no. You must bear this cup, cup of wrath. And Jesus bore the cup of wrath at the cross. But what did Jesus pray at that moment? But not my will, but your will alone. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom first and foremost. Even through the unanswered prayer or answered prayer of no, the greatest gift to us has been extended. So when God does not answer our prayer in a way that we want, when we truly acknowledge it is about your kingdom and your glory first and foremost, when God answers our prayer, no, it will require some suffering and disappointment. It will be hard, but we still find rest in our heart knowing that God is still sovereign and his kingdom will go forth. And we realign our desire before him. Do you really invoke his kingdom come first? Or in your prayer life, it'll often look a lot like my kingdom come, my will be done. And at the end of your prayer, you have no peace of heart whatsoever because all you thought about is yourself. Welcome to my life often. And may the Lord confront my heart. Reject pride. Remember who he is. Reorder your heart. And lastly, recommit your dependence. Read verse 11 with me. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Recommit your dependence. Give us today our daily bread. For many listeners of Jesus' prayer, teaching, how them, teaching them how to pray, it was that desperation. God, we have this physical need. Bring us this daily bread that I need. Perhaps for many of us, some of us may be right there, the desperation. But what about spiritual life? Do you have the sense of desperation before him today? 
God, if you don't come through, I am not going to make it. If prayer life is really like oxygen, if you don't breathe, you die. Do you have that sense of desperation before him? God, give us my daily bread. I need you to come through. You need to recommit your dependency on him. We celebrate independence so much. But in spiritual life, there's no such thing as that. We declare our dependency on him. Lord, help me. I am unable on my own. I've shared the story of a friend of mine before in this pulpit as well, but I'll share a story about him one more time. I have a dear friend named Paul, and when I lived in Dallas, he and I would get together every Monday on my day off, and we would pray, read the word together, we would pray together. He is in his mid-40s, I'm in my mid-30s, and back then we would get together and pray for many things. One of the things, he was a single, I, so was I. So we would always pray for our future spouses. Lord willing. I moved up to Northeast, and then, long and behold, this old guy, my buddy, found a girlfriend. Yay, how exciting. They dated about three years. She was ready to be married to him every time. Paul, what are you doing? I'm ready. He just was not ready to go. He loved her, but he just never found peace. So, like, there came to the point, she was done. Paul, I just cannot wait on you forever. What are you doing, man? Paul's like, okay, I'm going to really pray about it. Not that he didn't pray about it. He's been praying three years for the Lord to come through. But one wise man gave him advice. Paul, this is an important decision in your life. Why don't you fast and pray about it? He began fasting day one. That's what he was supposed to be doing. He extended to day two. He extended the fasting to day three. He said that he only slept two and three hours each day, just journaling the whole time his prayer. At the end of third day, he stopped fasting and he proposed to her. Three, yes, <laughs> that's a great news, right? Three days of prayer did what three years of dating couldn't do. I asked Paul, what happened? I mean, I didn't think he was going to make it because he's such an analytical, very calculative, every single detail. So I didn't know whether he was able to make it through. But then I asked him, can you send me some notes about what the Lord taught you in that time? He said, we are beggars. We need the desperation, abject poverty of spirit. Humility, bringing nothing to the table like a beggar. Are you at the end of yourself or relying on self? Are you insisting your own strength and ability and calculation or do you lay all down at the feet of Jesus? Do you have that sense of desperation today? God, give me this daily bread. Apart from you coming through, we die. Give me this daily bread. Recommit your dependence and lastly, what does Jesus say? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is very unique when Jesus teaches that. Why is that unique? Because Jesus prayed the same prayer up to thus far. Jesus, when Jesus prayed, he would recognize our Father, holy is in your name. That's Jesus' prayer life. He praises God. Jesus is all about God's kingdom to come through, not insisting upon his agenda. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus was also dependent for daily bread. But Jesus could not pray this prayer. Forgive us, forgive me our debts. Why Jesus couldn't pray the prayer? Because he never sinned. He lived perfect and sinless life. Yet, however, he will soon go up to the cross. 
that when the one who knew no sin will become sin for us, all our sins will be laid upon him. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become righteous. All the sins was laid upon him. Because the sinless became all the sins were laid on him. Now, when we go to the Father, forgive us. So when we pray, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. God does not forgive us based on the sincerity of our hearts. He does not forgive us based on the, all the good deeds that we have done. But based because the sinless became all the sins of the world. Now, because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we have the ground. When we confess our sins before him, he hears us. We pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yes, when we pray, God will come through. But do you know that Jesus was not delivered from the evil one? In fact, he became the subject of all the evil ones on the cross. All the past, future, present sin was laid on him because he did not deliver his own son from the evil one. Because Jesus was casted into hell, the separation from the Father, because he loved us to death. Now, based on what Jesus Christ has done, we can boldly approach the throne. Father, forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil one. Why is this prayer possible? Because it is in Jesus' name. Jesus died to secure that for you today, church. Do you know him? Church, reject pride. There's no room for pride in prayer. Do you see that we could not even rescue ourselves, that the sinless Savior became sin for us, died for us. That's how he came to know our Father. There's no room for self-glory and boasting. Reject pride and remember who he is. For God so loved the world he came and he bled and died for us. He loved you to death. All those lonely and isolated souls, Jesus loved you. He is a pursuing God to death. And then reorder your priority. Reorder your hearts today. It is not about asserting my kingdom, my will. But we cry, Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in my life, in your life in the life of Chelton, in the life of our nation, and on earth as it is in heaven. May his kingdom come, his will be done, and that we boldly declare our dependence on him. God, unless you come through, we are not going to make it. We are spiritual beggars. Come through, oh God. Would you declare your dependency on him? So church, this is our prayer, really. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us as you forgive those who wronged against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's all possible. Now we have access to the Father through the Son, what he has done on the cross for us. Will you pray with me? So God, now we cry out, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and evermore. God, would you relieve us from the burden of this melancholy self-absorption? Why do I, why do we always assert my kingdom, my agenda first and foremost, without declaring your kingdom and your glory? 
And oh God, I don't know why we tend to think we can get by without praying, without your word, without prayers. But God, give us the sense of urgency and desperation before you today. In the end, oh God, we come to you through the Son, what Jesus Christ has done for us. So if there's any of, anybody out there who do not know what Jesus Christ has done for them, how Jesus became sin for us, God, I pray that you speak to their hearts. Make them aware of their desperate need of you. Father, in Jesus we hope and in Jesus we pray. Truly, may your kingdom come and may your will be done. In your precious name we pray. Amen.